Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Now, before we dive in, I got to tell you, we recorded this podcast on March 10th. Little did we know how much our world was going to change because of this COVID-19 virus. Now, at the time, it was you know spreading and it was a part of the news, but not much had been shut down, at least in Minnesota. But a lot has changed since then. In fact, March 7th and 8th would be the last time that we met as a church together in person. Since then, and for the foreseeable future, we will be worshiping together online only. And what is this podcast about? It's about online church. And we know since then, many churches have been forced to adopt online church, whether they wanted to or not, since that's all we're allowed to do in today's COVID-19 world. But as I listen back to this conversation with my co-host Don Grafham and our online church pastor, Tim Williams, I can't tell you how timely it will be for many of you to hear this conversation, truly. And I think God set it up that way. So whether you're a church leader, someone who simply loves the church, is a part of a church, or even a leader who is trying to lead in any realm in this new digital online reality, we hope that you enjoy this conversation. Take a listen. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, it's good to see you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just great, John. How are you doing? Great. You look great. I wish oh, people could see you. Thank but, you. Uh, here's what I want people to know, because our underlying <laughs> belief is that when leaders get better, the church gets better. Of course, there's all kinds of reasons that a church would get better, but at the forefront are people people who are going to lead the church into the future. And one of those is actually a guest of ours today, Don. Uh, His name's Tim Williams, who is the online church pastor here at Eagle Brook Church. Tim, it's so great to have you here, truly. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, but keep it brief, because we have a lot to cover, okay? Yeah, (laughs) thanks, John. Hi, Don. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tim. Yeah, my name's Tim. I'm the online church pastor here at Eagle Brook, like you said. Before that, I was at a multi-site church in the San Francisco Bay Area for 10 years in a variety of roles. I was a campus pastor at one point, um, but mainly in worship and production and weekend planning and stuff like that. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Brittany, who's actually the area director for Alpha here in the Twin Cities, if anyone's familiar with Alpha. We've been married for 14 years, and we've got two kids, our daughter, Micah, who's six years old, and then our son, Blaze, who's three, and he is a big three-year-old. Nice. So we're having fun. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And you've been here on staff for how long? Uh, a year and a few months. As the online church pastor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really excited for today's conversation because in some ways we're talking about the future of church. Online church to me feels like space exploration. Hmm. I mean, a lot of churches are doing it. Some have you know, landed on the moon and now people are like, churches are like, what else can we explore and where in space do we actually need to head? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So first, I'm actually going to ask myself a question and then answer it. Okay. Perfect. Oh, that's fun. Uh, let's, tell, let's talk about the history <laughs> of online me, church at Eagle Brook Church here. Um, you know, so let me tell you how we got to this point and even having this conversation today. In many ways, um, here at Eagle Brook Church, we were reluctant 
Uh, for years, of course, we put our messages online. And before that, Don, you probably remember this. This is more your era. We would create tapes and put them in the little, and then CDs and put them in a little, you know, message series, binders and folders and things they would sell, booklets in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, we started streaming our messages. And and we did that for many, many years. But we had really had never put the entire service up online And around 2016, 2015, 2016, we started having a conversation about online church. And and to be honest with you, our senior leadership team just wasn't sure. I think people were asking questions like, and these are good questions, will it keep people from physically attending our church? Is online church even theologically church? I mean, is that an expression of, of church and how God intended it? They were asking questions like, can people encounter God and follow Jesus online? and ultimately will help us accomplish our mission. So after addressing all of those questions and finally being convinced, maybe still a little skeptical, um, we still weren't quite ready because our online church experience really really wasn't going to be a wow experience. We had some tools to make it decent, but we were looking to really put the horsepower behind online church before we started streaming it. And so our senior pastor um, at the time, went before our, our church, our congregation said, we're going to need $5 million to build out a new space, the space we're actually sitting in today, the Broadcast Operations Center, and improve this experience. Now, people really caught the vision. They got on board. And then Online Church launched officially in 2017. Now, I don't know if, Don, you remember this. Tim, you weren't here. But that first weekend we launched Online Church, we had the most insane hailstorm we've ever experienced mm. here in Minnesota. That's right. I forgot that. Uh, I received a lot of money from the auto insurance companies because both of our cars were here and they got destroyed in the hailstorm. People's yeah. car windshields yeah. were completely crushed. I'm telling you, as we went online for that very first time. Yeah, at the exact uh, moment. Exact moment. When you're live. I mean, it was wow. You could hear the hail on, our, on our, online. Yeah. Our communications director, I well, I'll never forget at the time was just on his hands and knees praying back here that it would work. So we'd put so much right. you know money behind it and, and and it did work. And I think in a lot of ways that was a spiritual confrontation because what God has done through online church since then has been nothing short of remarkable. And we've learned a lot along the way and we hope to share what we've learned with you along the way. We're no, by no means the experts in online church, but we have learned a lot. We've invested a lot in it. And we've seen God do some really extraordinary things. So good question. Good answer, John. Let's start with this question, Tim. <laughs> well done, John. Well done. That was, I was, I was really <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Okay, I'm going to turn it to Tim, our actual guest here. Yeah. Uh, Tim, yeah. let me ask this. You know, Online Church, you haven't been here since the start, but you've been deep, knee-deep in conversations about what we're doing with Online Church, where the future is. Um, over the years, the few years that we've been doing online church, even the year that you've been here, the target has shifted in terms of what what exactly is the goal of online church now? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I am relatively new here. And so I have been doing a lot of learning and listening. And what I have learned and discovered is the goal really was, as you said, and I've heard it described this way from people around here. It's let's give people a window into our church. Let's just make a really great window that shows people what's going on in here mm-hmm. uh, because people are being reached for Christ. Lives are transforming. Uh, and so maybe if we just put it out there, who knows what will happen? More mm-hmm. lives might transform and we could see more people reach for Christ, but we didn't really know. So really what I've heard is we wanted to make a really great window for people, uh, which is really a passive thing. That's something you observe 
but it's not really something that you engage with in the same way that you might if you attend a campus. So I think that that was really the initial target, as I've discovered from talking to a lot of people here. Depends on who you talk to. Depends on who you talk to. Well, if we talk to you, we knew that you always knew there was more there. And I think people on the front end of that bell curve always knew there's something here. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is, but we better get in there and discover it as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. But I think people more in the center of the bell curve were like, let's make a window. Let's make a window. I think that really the target in the last year has shifted from let's make a window to let's make this a door Mm -hmm. where people can come into the house Mm -hmm. and belong to a community and engage in knowing others, being known, and sort of meeting Christ in that way. So we've been we've been shifting our focus a little bit from that. And I think that's been relevant with the rise of social media in, you know, the last 5 years is that really in our culture we're able to create community with people uh, who are not geographically close to us every day. We do it all the time. We do it at work, we do it with our friendships, we do it in video games. And I think that church is no different and we're kind of you know, a lot of times in church, we think we're unique in facing these problems, but we're actually not. You know, everybody's kind of looking at the same thing, retail, everything. So yep. mm-hmm. there's more to talk about on that. But yeah, I think yeah. the shift from let's make a window, window to a door, yeah. So like, let's make a door where people can actually experience community. Yeah. Don, I'm, I'm excited that you're part of the conversation too, because you've been a huge believer in what online church, the, the kind of tool it can be to help reach people for Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. have you seen that? the goal, the target shift, or even over the last couple of years that we've been doing online church? Yeah, I would say someone who taught me about this is my 17-year-old son who plays video games too much. <laughs> what is You are the much? parents. That's that you right. Can, anyways, I know. Right. <laughs> you know. Once they're 17, they're kind of on their own. But, yeah. yeah. But uh, honestly, for the past couple of years, I've listened to my son play video games because he has the headset, the microphone, and there's an on ongoing banter and time where they're just hanging out. And I would never think I would say this because I grew up in the backyard playing football, wiffle ball, street hockey. You know, those were all the things that we did growing up. But in today's era with my son, I wish he did more of that, honestly. And he does did some of that, <laughs> but but really it's all become elect- electronic where he's yeah. communicating over these video games. And it really, as I've listened to it, it becomes his real sense of community. Yeah, And so it taught me maybe maybe my older ways, which I still kind of lean toward of analog getting in the backyard, isn't necessarily the future. And so I would think even to express what you guys have said, I think we've started, we started with a spirit of reluctance and really it was the, maybe it could be a distraction. And I, I think Bob would have maybe even said, boy, if you do online, people are not gonna come to church. They're just gonna stay home. And so is it a competitor? And then I think he and the rest of us warmed up to it and saying, no, maybe it could be a front door or a window, as you're calling it, where somebody could actually see and experience Eagle Brook before they get here. And now I think we're even getting to a point where it can be a legitimate community where people really know each other, care for each other, pray for each other. I mean, all the values that we want people to have in their lives, it can happen electronically as well. Uh, now, the slight caveat I would say, and I'd be interested to hear your input on this, Tim, is that is it still secondary? Like it's still not the dream. Getting in the building is better than the online experience. I think you could even debate that. Some would say maybe it's just as good because I can still experience all the same values that I could if I'm live, but but maybe there is a compromise. Yeah, let's let's go there. Primary, secondary. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, what Online you- versus being physically... Yeah. 
gathered together. Yeah, I think what you described, you know, the answer is in what you're just talking about with your son. The fabric of how we experience community as a culture, as people, in to, in the day, in our day, in our era, mm-hmm. is not completely going digital. It's not changing, but it is being interwoven with now digital enhancement. You might say there's like yeah. there are some. It's and it's not binary, which is always the thing we want to we we tend to lean towards. Is we want the either or. Is it bricks yeah. and mortar yeah. or mm-hmm. is it Amazon? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that our existence uh, as people and our interaction with the digital world is n- is rarely and probably never fully, I don't know, never say never, I guess, going to be binary. At no. least we know in this era it's mm-hmm. going to be integrated. So primary, secondary, here's the other thing. There are things we can do that we're discovering, and we need more churches to help us discover. All of us have to discover this together. There's things we can do with a digital church experience that you can never do in person. I can literally usher 2,000 people around as my guest backstage on my phone on a live Facebook video. Which you've done. Which I've done. (laughs) And as my guest, as my friend. Mm -hmm. And I can't, you can never do that in person. There's things you can do in person. And we have plumbed the depths as a church culture of the things you can do in person in a gathering. I mean, I think we have, we've made it an art We've perfected the science of how to do a fantastic gathering. But now we're, we're like babies in this new sandbox mm-hmm. with these new toys of like, how do we do that with these digital tools mm-hmm. and these tools that are evolving and changing every day? And so I think that primary, secondary, I think right now most people in their current experience would say, of course, the in-person is primary. But that's because we haven't developed sophisticated tools to match what we do in person, what we know in person in that digital space. And I think part of what we're stewarding is how do we do that? Yeah. And how do we you know, look for ways to explore those things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably, you guys have taken this conversation in a great direction, by the way, but just pulling it back yeah. for a second, because you know, I'm envisioning several different types of people listening right now, but one of those uh, might be other church leaders and they might have minimal to no online church presence. So we're talking about really sophisticated, I think, next level um, type of topics and conversations. But I think some people, like we were four or five years ago, we were we were asking the question, is online church a legitimate, theologically correct <laughs> expression of church? So let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Is this legitimate? Is this a gathering? Well, I mean, talk about that, Don, for a second. How have you wrestled through that? What's your response to that? Yeah, well, again, a, a lesson from my son. It, it sure feels like a legitimate community that he's experiencing through those video games, even though it's not necessarily what I would say I grew up with or I w- might even want something a little different. If you if you think about the five values that we've talked about in past podcasts on this, we want people to follow Jesus, spend time with God, connect in community. We want them to serve others and we want them, them to live generously do you have to be live to do any of those? No. I mean, if you really think about it, you could do all of those electronically. And so therefore, could it actually be a legitimate place of growth and development and community that's all happening online? I think it could. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think it's a legitimate community that you can really be spiritually strengthened through. Yeah. And why not leverage it? And we're actually seeing that happen. So it's more than just thinking it. We're actually seeing people live these out. What What would you add to this, Tim? Yeah. Well, I think that I would ask a really quick question to you, Don, which mm-hmm. is, do you see the relationship that your relationships your son is building in that space influencing his life? 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. is it influencing the way he thinks, the way he behaves, the way that he sees his world? I, you probably say yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible, going back to the theology, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you should go to church, right? Right. It says, you know, don't forsake the gathering together of believers. Right. But there's a really good reason for this. Doesn't mean we shouldn't go to church. But does it say you should watch online church or <laughs> yes. engage with online exactly. church? Well, we're getting there, Jeff. <laughs> okay, jumping ahead. No, but uh, it's because nobody in that day thought of calling a building a church. Yeah, right. Because exactly. with that kind of evolved over time. But that's because church was just people. Mm-hmm. It's just people living together in community. What are the building blocks of community? I think that's where you get into the nuance of that. Yeah. But in Ephesians four, you know. Paul writes, Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ. Christ is the head and every supporting ligament is connected uh, to create unity in the faith and, then, and complete the knowledge of Christ Jesus and maturity and all that. And so I think the question is, could Jesus do that through these digital pathways? And I think the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't think it's ex- mutually, mutually exclusive. I don't think it's mm-hmm. binary. I don't yeah. think it's yeah. one or the other. Yeah. It's all and. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I think theological is just one of the reasons that people are skeptical of online church. As I was thinking about this, and, and I kind of addressed them out, out of the gate here as we were talking about the ways we wrestled through it, but um, just a couple of more reasons people might be weary or skeptical. They feel like it might keep people from physically coming to church now, we don't have years of data to support this, but oftentimes when we look at trend lines, they're often parallel, meaning if our physical attendance is down, we don't usually suddenly see the online viewership numbers increase significantly uh, and vice versa. If uh, physical attendance is way up, we don't see online church numbers decrease necessarily. They're more parallel. So to me... Again, um, you know, we have some anecdotal stories, of course, of people who maybe opted to watch online as, a, as opposed to come physically or not. I just haven't seen that. I don't know if you guys have seen that or heard that. I think, if anything, it offers people an opportunity to stay engaged on weeks they weren't already going to be there. Yeah. So it's, it's not often that people are just willingly choosing, but they might have a sick kid at home. They might just be on vacation. They might be... Um, in a place where they can't physically get there, it actually gives people more of an opportunity to stay engaged. How, right. would, how would you respond to that? That's, I mean, I think that the trend of of our church organizational discovery, you know, recently, is that measuring engagement is more important than just measuring attendance. That's been something I think like North Point's led the way in, in that kind of thinking. And I think that has sort of primed the pump for us to think about online in a different way. Because engagement, how do you engage? And then Target, right? I mean, speaking about retail, they're not thinking that it's a competition between their online sales and their bricks and mortar sales. It's all, I'm a Target customer. Absolutely. And I think the more we can zoom out and reorient to that framework of our goal is to get people to engage so that they can be reached for Christ not our goal is to get people to attend so they can be reached for yeah. Christ. Attendance falls within engagement, but engagement is bigger than attendance. Yeah, which leads to the second thing. People often think that, and we've already addressed this, but people feel like others won't encounter God through virtual digital spaces. Like somehow being physically present within a building is the only way to encounter God. And of course, I think we've already addressed that I will say, we're going to link in the show notes to the story of Luke Lauren, um, someone who was watching online. He lived 
nearby in Centerville, Minnesota. Actually, that's, I think, where we are right now. It's hard to know if we're in Centerville or Lina Lakes. I'm not entirely sure, but Mm -hmm. we're somewhere close to there. He lived there. He had come uh, to be physically present to our church a few times, but he and his family were watching online church a couple of winters ago during our baptism service, felt so compelled to go get baptized. They He threw his entire family in the car uh, and they all came and got baptized after the, the nine o'clock service or between the 9-11. They got here in time to still get baptized during our service. And, and he was encountering God by watching online church. And so we'll link to that story because I think it'd be really impactful for people to watch. But Tim, just moving this on, let, let's say there are churches out there considering starting online church. And Don, you've worked with a lot of churches through the Eagleburg Association as well. Um, what would you say to them? Just briefly, what would you say to those churches that are like, should we do online? Should we stream messages, services? What, what would you say to those churches? Well, I'm of the opinion that you should do it, that you should move towards it. You should, I mean, I think you should do it yesterday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that you do want to, you know, really think about it, be prayerful about it. You want to have a clear understanding of who you are. Um, And actually moving to that space is going to raise your self-awareness as a church because when you strip away everything else, you can't hide behind things. You can't say, well, our church services aren't that great, but our building's beautiful, we're in a great location, and our Mm -hmm. kids' program is fantastic. What it will do is purify actually your experience and it'll help you get better. Mm-hmm. I think also, like I said earlier, we need as many you know, churches that are bringing God and the mission of reaching people for Christ playing in this sandbox so that we can all discover and mutually benefit each other in the mission. Yeah, so the more people in the sandbox learning, playing, discovering, uh, bringing your unique strengths as a church to find new ways for us to create better tools to reach people for Jesus, the better for all of us. Yeah. So I would say, you know, keep it simple, do the, you know, focus on what you do really, really well, make it great, and just get in here and start working on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Don, anything to add to that? Churches you've worked with and people who are processing? Well, probably the the poster child for us is Wyndham, Minnesota. They have a church called The Gathering, and they just, they started, I think, in a living room with a few people just, hey, let's come together and watch the Eagle Brook services, and they just took in the whole thing, and then they realized they were outgrowing the living room, and so they moved into a cafe, and then that started to fill up, and then eventually they actually started doing their own music. I believe they still do their own music to this day, and then they dial in for the message. And eventually they continue to grow outside of that cafe, and they they bought their own property, which is amazing. And then they've hired a campus pastor, and they essentially are, well, they are a legitimate church, and they're leveraging the messages that come from Eaglebrook. And so they went through the Eaglebrook Association so that they could learn more about our culture and who we are. And just worked through all the steps methodically to have a church. I think the last number I heard, over 250 people had gathered at one time to come to this video venue, essentially. They've mm. never had a live teacher mm. there, best I know. For sure, they lean on our videos every week. And why not do that anywhere? I mean, if you can do it in Wyndham, literally, you could do that anywhere in the world. Whereas if you brought together a leader with a core group of leaders that are helping and you have a decent venue and you press play, you could watch the whole thing. Now, they do their own live music, but they could watch the whole hour, and you'll have an opportunity to talk about it afterward. It is a legitimate community that is continuing to grow and thrive, and we know others, at least four or five others, yeah. that are just sometimes rural or some sometimes they lost their senior pastor for a reason, they retired or they left for some reason, and then they start plugging in our our video or anybody, you know, another yeah. church's video for that matter. The online tool is such a great resource. Why not leverage that? Yeah. 
And then it allows the pastors that are there to actually go pastor people and not worry about putting together a message. What's interesting, you guys answer that two different ways, but I think it's it's both they're both great answers to the same question. Because Tim, you were talking about churches who are already their own body of you know group of people who are meeting together, and you answered uh, directly to those churches who are considering streaming their own experience. Right. Don, you actually took it in. There have been several communities who take our experience, stream it to their community of people, Mm -hmm. and they're using our resources. But both are potential future uses of the online church space. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to shift gears for a moment, I want to talk to uh, people who maybe really aren't interested in online church, but they're listening because it's the Eagle Bird Church Leadership Podcast, and there's some leadership nuggets so far in this, but it's mostly to do with online church. I want to draw away from online church for just a second, talk about leadership principles and things that you've learned as you've led online church. And so much of this, Tim, you and I talk about this almost on a monthly basis. So much of this is so entrepreneurial. I mean, there's just so many ways you've pushed this forward that would apply to really any leader who is starting anything new. So as you've had to forge a new path and push forward towards a future that didn't exist prior to you making some of these these decisions, what are those top couple of things you'd say to people who are attempting to create a new way forward? I think in creating, yeah, that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial thinking, you always want to stay really simple and clear on the pain point you're addressing with your product. And I'm going into like kind of retail speak or or for-profit speak. But your product is addressing a pain point that you are trying to get out to people. And so being really, really clear about what that is and what it does and putting everything in orbit around that and cutting as much as possible and then running it through one of two kind of filters or focuses will really help you. And one of these, one of those focus, the first one is we have to make it better. We have to make it more effective. Let's make it better. How do we make it better? Something that already exists. Right. Whatever just, your, yep. your core yeah. offering is, you focus your energy on making it better, which is what we did in the beginning. We started streaming and then for years it was how do we make it better? How do we make it better? How do we find that that pocket of greatest return on investment, lock in, hit it over and over and over each time, tweaking, aligning resources and making it better. So are we making it better right now? And the other focus is, are we scaling it? So you know, you don't want to put a really bad iPhone in the hands of a billion people, right? <laughs> you want to make sure first that your iPhone is yeah. fantastic. Yep. And so I think, you know, just going back to that, you know, window to door analogy, we spend a lot of time making it really, really, really good every week, really good. We're not going to worry about scaling or we're going to kind of let that take care of itself for now. We're just going to make it better, make it better, make it better. Mm -hmm. And then once we made it to a place where like, this is really good, then we start shifting to, okay, how do we get this? How do we scale this now in a way that doesn't compromise who we are? Mm -hmm. Because part of compromising who we are might be certain ways we advertise or things like that. So how do we scale it? Yeah. And I think that's going to be, you know, you want to know your core offering, what is the pain point you're addressing, and then what's our focus? Are we making it better right now or are we scaling Yeah, it? the pain point is key because people didn't know that they needed online church when right. we went in front of them in 2015, 16 and said, hey, we need $5 million to build this thing that you didn't even know you needed. Right. 
And so it's addressing that pain point and yeah. casting vision around that. That's been so important, especially as we move forward into to more and more space in the online church world. Okay, just another question directly to leaders. And I, I love for both of you to answer this because both of you I admire so much in the way that you see the future, the way that you see a vision, a picture of the future. And you're both really adept and good at moving people, rallying people to that future. Um, I admire both of you. I also find myself frustrated with both of you <laughs> at times. Which, because, which one of us frustrates yeah, so you more, John? Like you were pointing to me a at lot. Times, <laughs> at times, because people who are futuristic can leave other people behind. Hmm. They see a future. Don, you and I even had some... So I'm going to start with you, Don. You and I had some disagreement early on about what to do with the future of online church. We had gone mm-hmm. through it for a year and we discussed at length what the future of online church looked like. You so clearly saw the future we're in today. So you're right. I'm already giving you credit. <laughs> I didn't know where this I was going to go. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't here for that. I didn't, <laughs> well, I didn't see it per se, but talk about that. I mean, you're having to rally people to get people to kind of see this picture that maybe you see. How do you do that? Give us some leadership wisdom and nuggets about that. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting question because – uh, there was a part that you were frustrating me too, because it's like, it's so obvious. <laughs> I mean, here it is. This is our future. And just uh, getting a grip on how this community where you're actually not in the same room with each other can be legitimate, where I think people just want to discard that, especially us older people, because that wasn't our community that we grew up with. That's not what we saw to be legitimate friendship. But can friendship actually happen online, electronically, And in today's world, it sure can. Mm -hmm. And I just thought if we invested a little bit of time and hired somebody who could actually lead this thing, that the the well was bottomless. Like we could keep going deeper and deeper into that well of which Tim has been so great at because he gets it and he can keep finding new and practical ways to leverage this this tool that is a global tool. I mean, even when you think about Jesus saying, you're going to go to the ends of the earth, we never thought it could be electronically, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is. And even, you know, one of my stories, I I wanted to be such a proponent of this that I started an online small group where I invited people who who don't live in Minneapolis or St. Paul. So it's not the people that are just a little bit, oh, I don't feel like driving to church today because it's a little snowy outside. These are people that could not come and had about 10 people that I just reached out to. One was from Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. Our good friend Chantero, you know, he was a part. He didn't realize it would be 2 a.m. his time, but he actually came (laughs) 2 a.m. his time. And then there was Fernando from Argentina was in the group, and we had somebody else from Colorado and from New York, and then someone from up north in Minnesota. And we had just this great conglomeration of people who don't necessarily live in the Twin Cities, and we had a small group. I mean, and we connected in a very deep way. And actually, because of that distance, I thought our group got especially intimate because I think they even had a freedom. Like, well, I'm never going to see you in real life, so I can actually really bear my soul. Yeah. And and I had a sense that that was there, and now we're just going deeper and deeper into the well, and Tim's leading the way, and I just love it. Yeah, so here's the leadership nugget with that. You actually didn't just talk about it. You put your money where your mouth is and did something about it because we didn't really have online groups at that point. No. You just decided you were going to gather people online. That's right. How, how, how hard can this be? See right. if you can build community. <laughs> That's, That's a right. trademark and, phrase. Yeah. Right. How hard can this be? Right. It's take what's, no the time. Worst, what's the worst that can yeah. happen? So Tim, you're often yeah. you know, trying to rally people to a vision that uh, other people just don't see. What are some of those things you've learned along the way? 
I think the most valuable and maybe the most pain, one of the most painful leadership lessons I've learned in that regard as a futuristic thinker or a visionary is this truth that the smartest person in the room is all of us, which means mm. I might have a seed or a hint or a, in, you know, a preeminent intuition about a direction things are going to go. And then, of course, I have a, a brain that you know can just build a, a framework and a plan by myself. I could go in a room with a whiteboard and map it out. But what I've learned very painfully, actually, and not just at a, at a head level, but at a, I really believe it, is I cannot build that plan alone. It won't, it won't be the best it can be. It will only be the best it can be if it's a collaborative discovery of the path. And it is a discovery. It's a collaborative discovery of what God's already put in front of us. And he's put it in the hearts and minds of everybody in the church, in you know my direct surroundings. So that's why coming in, I think I spent the first six months just meeting with people and asking a lot of questions because I was trying to discover the path. But you're, but now you're doing that again, and you're doing that often with online attenders now. Right. Early on, it was with it's concentric key circles of vision and discovery. Tell me how, yeah. how often you're just making phone calls to online attenders. I mean, you're doing there this. are weeks I've called more than twenty people. Yep. Uh, where I just, I mean, <laughs> I've had my calendar fifteen minute calls just back to back one day. Yeah. I think I, I don't know how many called. I called seven or eight. And you're doing that to build Cold community yeah. and also get to know them and hear their perspective, right? Yeah. That's been so important too to well, hear what they want, why they engage. Yeah. I mean, I was immersed <laughs> in, you know. Bay Area thinking for 10 years and this kind of this idea of user standard design, which the user can inform best exactly, their yeah. you know, product exactly. that they want or the design of what they need. Yep. And so I have to always be listening to the users yep. because they know what, I, I believe they know what they want. Even if they, they might not say it explicitly, but I know how to listen or I'm trying to learn how to listen to what they actually want. Okay, that's a good segue to the next question here because there are now sometimes more viewers online than in person, sometimes. Um, we're getting there. I mean, the last several weekends, we'd have over 20,000 plus people who, who are tuning in. So Tim, as you go around and meet these people and analyze data and where they're watching from and just give us a snapshot, who are these people that yeah. are watching online church for Eagle Brook Church? Yeah, here are the, here's kind of the big... Uh, the big numbers here, about 60% of the people that join every weekend live in the state of Minnesota for us, 60%. The other 40% live outside of the state. So that could be anywhere globally, but we do have like kind of the top five states. I don't have to list them right now. Uh, then, you know, 50% of people, so 60% state of Minnesota, 50% of all our viewers live within driving distance of a campus. Mm. So they're highly engaged. They go to a campus when they can't attend, they watch online, or they do both because now we're building out other offerings they can't get in person. So they'll attend, go home, and watch the behind-the-scenes exclusive content online. Um, and then 15 to 20% uh, that call are people that call Eagle Brook home that don't attend anywhere else. So this is the people outside of the state or maybe within the state. They attend Eagle Brook exclusively. They watch every weekend but they don't really have a, a home church. And yeah. those are, uh, yeah, those are what I would call our true power user. That's kind of my definition for them. These are people that are committed. They, you know, they've maybe looked at other churches in their area, but they're like, I love Eagle Brook. I'm all in. I'm watching every weekend. I'm highly engaged. And then 30% is a lot of numbers I'm throwing out. I would say are the people that attend a church and supplement, right? We all do that. I attend Eagle Brook. I watch Hillsong and North Point and Life Church and Elevation. I watch everybody, right? I'm a supplement. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to join, you know, a North Point small group online 
but I'll definitely watch Andy Stanley and take in their service. So, so yeah, I think that that is helping us understand um, where to sort of throw the net around as far as what we're focusing on building toward. Because I think there's one of these groups that if you focus your communication and um, the opportunity for them to engage and be- become basically ambassadors to their town, it's going to be a ripple effect that swells out from there and increases all the other numbers. But the pocket I'm really looking at is that power user, yeah. the true power user, the person that's like, you're my lifeline, you are my church, because I'm going to learn the most from them, uh, but also they're going to have the biggest return on investment. And everybody else is going to benefit from what we learn from them. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at the yeah. numbers and, there. And more than even just numbers, these are people with real stories, real oh, pains, they're real encountering hurts, God. real... Well, yeah. In the Facebook group and uh, the online church group, when people post their prayer requests or asking just it's for, remarkable, it yeah. is remarkable, and it it's a it's a reminder, a stark reminder, that people are really hurting for a place to engage with their story. Well, that's I'm gonna way God's intersecting with their story. Yeah, go ahead. Jump yeah, in yeah. is the biggest hurdle for online church, right? Is to make it more than a video you watch, but a community you're a part of. So we've created three concentric circles. The weekends are biggest. Facebook group is our second biggest. There's 7,000 people in that group. And then these smaller spaces, online small groups, six to 12 people that meet every week. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the, um, one of the reasons I've become such a big fan of online church, there's many, um, but is because of the way I've seen it fuel our mission. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say they first experienced Eagle Brook and God and, and what it means to have a relation with Jesus by watching and engaging online. I mean, we hope, of course, that people will casually scroll through Facebook and Instagram and they will find us on Google, which doesn't happen nearly as often as we tend to think it does, right? There's some right. <laughs> algorithms that are not oh, benefiting yeah. us in the social media yeah, world. Social media platforms do not want to have a reputation for being evangelistic yes. tools. So, so whether they're just stumbling upon us probably isn't happening as much as we think. But more often than that, it was someone who invited them to watch online. It's actually a lot easier to say to someone, um, hey, I know maybe you don't want to step foot into a church, but you can watch the whole deal online. If you like what you see, then you know we'd love for you to come sit with me and join us sometime. But the first invite now often for people is to watch online is because it's a, it's a much easier, less intimidating step. And so I would say to those people who are listening, who are part of our church, um, this is a great way to invite people to church. I can't tell you how many times I've done it. I'm sure you guys have done it. I know you, you've had yeah. goals to invite people to watch online and just check things out. But the best way to do that is to text them. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, rather the, than posting I mean, generically, of course, that helps some. Share it on Facebook. You know, Share it wherever you are. But text someone the link and say, hey, we'd, I'd love for you to just watch yeah. this. Eaglebrook.live in any open source communication format. So texting, DMing, things that aren't controlled by algorithms, yep. by organizations that are protecting their brand. Yeah, and then our hope is that they would encounter God. They would see what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. They would be inspired to explore faith. And of course, maybe there's there's a step that happens when they step foot into our church, although that's not necessarily primary, but if they're you know, physically um, around, uh, capable of driving to one of our campuses that they'd come to Eaglebrook or a different church in their community. And ultimately they'd find community, whether it's through that Facebook group or through one of the online small groups. We want them to move through those levels of engagement. Okay, final question, okay? 
you guys are both uh, incredible thinkers, dreamers, leaders who love the church. And so what do you think is the future of church in this online space? And Don, I'm going to start with you. Just what do you think is the future with online church here? Well, I think we're just getting started. I mean, the, the future, like I said, the well just keeps getting deeper. And I think the idea where we can care for each other more, know each other, encourage, inspire, uh, is going to just continue to happen online. And I think even as we think about rural communities that don't even have a church there or they don't have a thriving church, that they can engage in that. And even if they wanted to leverage that and say, you know, follow the Wyndham model where they started inviting people into their living room and let's get a cafe. Uh, I would say if there's a leader out there that has a small small group of other people that are with them, they should talk to Tim, right? I mean, they should reach out to you to say, yeah. what would be some next steps in that? But that's one one way is to these rural communities or anybody who wants to kind of start something like that. Uh, the online small groups is something that I know you've talked about a lot. This is just another opportunity uh, and then there's ability for us to connect with people all the way through with small groups, Zooming, which is what I did with my little trial. You're, you're doing that all the time. Uh, but I, I would also just say one other example is if you are a, at another church and you want a breather for the summer, you know, you could plug in Eagle Brook for 10 weeks and take a summer vacation and then come back 10 weeks later and hopefully the church is still going. I mean, like you could <laughs> right. leverage the weekend messages or the whole service and it's a tool that's out there yeah. that I think people should use as individuals, as a, as a small group, or as a church. Uh, leverage the tool. It's an yeah. incredible tool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Tim, what would you add? What's the future? Well, I think that I'm going to take a different direction. Yeah. The second the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church, and the copies of that letter were made and distributed to different communities, and people stood up in those communities and read those letters to those communities— that's the second multi-site was born, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And I think that this digital online church tool is the key to unlocking the next augmentation of multi-site church planning, church effectiveness. And I've got some specific ideas about what I think it could look like, but again... I'm not going to share those now. I think it has to be group discovery through the Holy Spirit. Might be a future and that you see no one else can. So just you know, wait. Well, for us. I'll share. Wait it. for us. No, well, don't no. share. Yeah, don't I'll, share. I'm not it. here. I'll share it with. I'll <laughs> okay, share it with great. the right people at the right time. But I think that it's going to take group discovery yeah. of the church as a whole. And I think that God's already going before us. Yeah. So I do believe online church is the key that will unlock the future augmentation of our church expression. Yeah, that's well said. We're just no longer confined by physical space. The world of digital is sometimes much cheaper, freer. Uh, we're just not confined to those physical limitations anymore. And in many ways, this is greater than the printing press. I mean, the ability to get the message of Christ out has never been uh, not easier because it's still very difficult to get the message of Christ out, but never been, there's never been more opportunity than there is now. We can truly, when you say to the ends of the earth, you don't have to hop on a ship, you don't have to hop on a plane or a car. I mean, you can get the message of Christ out to the ends of the earth. We are living in the era of the greatest opportunity to reach the world for Christ. And so this is just the ways that we've been exploring. We've been trying to figure this out. We've been exploring space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe we've landed on the moon. Now we're figuring out what's next. <laughs> 
Um, and we hope that you'll join us in that. If you're a church leader, if you're someone who engages with Eagle Brook off and on, but you know you, you haven't really engaged with online church, wh- whoever you are, I hope that you'll check out and, and just take a look at what we're doing. Again, not with all, we don't have all the answers. We're not perfect, but we are truly trying to move this thing forward as best as possible. Um, you guys, thank you for being here. I do want to ask a question because I know you guys are both thinkers and you're feeling this conversation out. Any final thoughts? I mean, did we miss something? Maybe something you'd like to add? I guess my only final thought is God always meets us in reality. I think I heard N.T. Wright say that. And we can have a lot of ideas about the future, but what we need to know is what's the next right step. And to just take that with confidence and courage in our real situation with the real people around us, and he'll he'll be faithful to, to reveal it. Yeah, I would just say if if you're still one of those people like resisting the online movement, it's time. <laughs> it's yeah. time, to, time to get in the game. It's time to at least learn about it, understand it, and maybe even embrace it in a in a bigger way than you ever have before. Because I just think it's a it's a tool that we could be using for God's sake in a huge way. So yeah. let's not miss what's happening here. Let's keep picking away at it. We're still not we're still not perfect in it by any stretch, but Let's all learn together on how we can make a difference in our world for Christ using today's technology. Yeah, we've had this tool available for us during snowstorms. We've had to cancel church, but we still streamed online because we got enough people here to record it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stream it. And now we're living through a very real fear of this coronavirus. Yeah. And I don't know how long this will last. <laughs> coronavirus uh, is schools, God's sheepdog. Yeah. It's all in the online church. Schools pen. are getting canceled. Things are getting shut down. We don't know what the future holds. We're people of faith, not fear. So I'm I'm stepping into it. I think we're all trying to step into it. But online church give us gives us a real possibility that even if we had to shut down and stop meeting physically for a couple of weekends, a month, we still could stream online church. And this would be a real expression of gathering together as a community of believers. And so you guys, I love this conversation. I felt like we could have gone on for hours and hours. I think in many ways, we're just scratching the surface, but we do have to cut it short. All right, you guys, that's all we got. I felt like we could have talked for hours and hours about this conversation. Um, In many ways, we're just scratching the surface, but that's all we got for this episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. When leaders get better, the church gets better. And our hope is that no matter how or where you lead in the church, that you will continue to grow in your abilities so that your church will reach more people for Christ. That's our ultimate hope. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast.